0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zoopans Markets. And I got to tell you, Chris, I'm pretty excited about this. I've been stopping by Zupans there on Burnside a little bit more and more. Uh, because they're constantly updating the different things that they have going on. And one of those is their poke bar.
1: Uh, There are a lot of great things going on at that store.
0: Poke bar, five varieties of poke, seafood, salads, three types of rice and toppings. You can create your own poke bar. It's awesome. i got to point this out, though. It's only available at their Burnside, but expanding to the other locations in 2017.
1: Also, the other thing that you got to keep in mind, it's football time. And they have some incredible—I love their house-made guacamole, and their pico de gallo is fantastic. So check the football schedule and sync it up with Zupan's as well. The other
0: thing that you should check out is their beer and wine tastings. They have them in their store every Friday and Saturday, and wine-tasting events— in Cellar Z at their Burnside and Lake Grove locations. And the easiest way to, to find out about all these things going on is checking out Zoopans.com. They have this new, brand new website. You can find out what's fresh and new. Browse their recipes. I would recommend I've started following Zoopans on instagram chris
1: very nice
0: yeah and they feature some beautiful beautiful items and it's given me maybe a hundred different ideas of things i need to do on the weekend so check out their brand new website zoopans.com you can order online catering sandwiches floral delivery it's all there at zoopans.com It is time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast, affectionately known as Right at the Fork, with your host, uh, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures.
1: And you are Court Johnson from Kink Mornings.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, uh, man, you know, Chris, we celebrated, uh, this is the beginning of our fourth year, right? Am I am I doing the calculations right in my head? This is the fourth year earlier this month.
1: Really hard to imagine, but yes, we are in year four and yeah. I'm enjoy- I'm still enjoying it.
0: Yeah. No, we totally are. It, it's it's one of those things where I think five years ago, six years ago, if you asked somebody that, that uh, A, that podcasting would really become what it is, and B, that you and I would be part of it, you'd probably be like, what are you talking about?
1: Yeah, well, I didn't know you six years ago, so I would have True. said, what's that? Yeah. Who's court? <laughs> Who's court and what's a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> but it's been great, and, you know, part of it is we live in this wonderful area of uh, Oregon and Portland, where there are so many people who contribute to making this an incredible place to consume food and drink. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the list doesn't stop. If you go back in our archives, I believe we have, what, 106 interviews, and we have a lot of recommendations from authors and bloggers of uh, places to go. So this would be the first time We've addressed coffee places to go before, right. but we have never actually interviewed anybody who's running, who's a roaster or uh, running a coffee shop. And, and who better than Din Johnson and Nancy Rommelman of uh, Ristretto Roasters?
0: Yeah. No, it was it was uh, one of the great conversations that uh, we've already had this year and going back to, you know, didn't move from the Pacific Northwest down to California and then for him to come back. And just everything that kind of how that all happened was really interesting.
1: Well, also, they're two fascinating people. I don't think, you know, there are a lot of great people in Portland. But I don't think anybody could embody the Portland spirit better than din, roasting coffee, and being successful at it, opening five shops. They're opening their fifth this month, and I know they have more on the way. And also Nancy Rommelman, who I actually met at my first Portland Food Adventures event at Nostrana. Mm. She's an incredible writer. She's written for the Wall Street Journal, LA Weekly, a lot in the Oregonian. Um, And I noticed she doesn't have that in her bio. She lists Los Angeles Times and New York Times Magazine Newsday, but there's no Oregonian. I didn't get to ask her that, but I'm curious as to why that's not listed. Maybe that's just uh, expected. Right. But she's she's an incredible writer. I first got drawn in years ago in one of her uh, long articles, long-form articles she wrote for the um, LA Weekly. And it's been great getting to know her since. And when we wanted to have Din on the podcast, I kind of wanted to have Nancy, too, and she suggested it. She has been helping with the business while she pursues her career as a journalist, and, uh, and she has a lot to offer. And Not only that, but they, Court, do they not have the best combination of hair in Portland? Oh,
0: yeah, no, I was, I was actually looking, I was looking at Din's haircut, and I'm like, I could not pull that off, but he does so well.
1: If I tried to pull that off, I would just be bald, right? Right, Because there'd be nothing left on top. Yeah. Um, but I guess we could go for the, the, the color, the beautiful color that Nancy has. Exactly right. And I don't know if we could pull that off, but it would, it would look pretty interesting on you.
0: Yeah. 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 Clashing with my orangey red hair.
1: Yeah. You could be the mascot for the New York Mets.
0: Something like that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) At any rate, I really, I think we both agree. We enjoy most conversations, this one in particular, and I think people will, uh, will get a lot out of it.
2: Right at the Fork is brought to you by Leanne Bach of M Realty. Choosing the right realtor can make or break the buying or selling experience in real estate. Leanne Bach is in tune with the ever-changing Portland landscape, especially as it pertains to our food and restaurant world. Why not work with someone who's in step with you and has years of experience to work on your behalf? Find Leanne at leannebach.com. L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-C-H dot com. The Portland Auto Show. Over 600 cars from 36 manufacturers. It's a great way to spend your day and see all the cars and trucks you'd like to consider in one fell swoop. Even drive some of them. January 26th through the 29th at the Oregon Convention Center. Kids under 12 are free on Sunday. Zupans, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland. West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets and by Portland Food Adventures. Did you know you can eat and drink your way through Europe with chefs like Atala's Jose Chesa and Lardo's Rick Giancarelli? Join Right at the Fork host Chris Angeles and his great chef friends for these trips of a lifetime to Barcelona and Tuscany in September and October. Get to PortlandFoodAdventures.com and click on the blog tab to see pricing and itineraries.
1: I seem to have enough energy in that last one, right? Did, yeah, I, sh- right. I was going to text you, bring coffee. Oh,
3: man, we we could have from... A, we would have been a little late. We Starbucks late. from coin. No, we would not have done that.
1: You would not have brought it from Starbucks? Are you rolling? No. I'm <laughs> rolling. Good. <laughs> I just want that on record. What? I just wanted that on record. Would you bring coffee from... Star- <laughs> and when was the last time you had a Starbucks?
4: Uh, for me, definitely on the road somewhere. You know, when you're in the middle of nowhere and that's it, you know.
1: And so what did you think? What's your... Well...
4: You know, the secret is usually you can get them to brew you a single cup of coffee there and hopefully they'll have something that's on the, as light of a side of roast as you can find, which is less these days, they used to have more options, but that's kind of my secret approach if I'm really stuck. So
1: I have to, hey, just one second, Court, I'm hearing a hum.
4: Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's
1: this mic Is that okay though? Yeah, it's yeah. not going to be, all right, I don't mind the hum as long as we're only hearing it now. <laughs> Um, but my, uh, he keeps coming up. My friend Rick told me I had to get your book because I, I have my affinity for coffee is I don't think I'm not an expert at all. I just enjoy it more than I do wine. So (laughs) when I'm feeling guilty about wine, I always fall back on my love for coffee. (laughs) And, um, and so he told me I had to get your book because he's learned so much about how to just about coffee and having a better cup of coffee. Now I always wonder I don't have to be that fussy. How much better could the so what I do is I have about four or five and I've had ristretto in the rotation a lot. Right. Um, And I just make French press and I'm usually pretty damn happy no matter what. Yeah.
4: Well I mean the book is really geared towards the super basics and you know once you have those basics you know it's going to help you be consistent you know it's going to be consistent every time you make it instead of just kind of the guessing game oh i think this many scoops and your grinds all out of whack if you're using a little whirly bird grinder and um so it's just about giving you the basics on you know how to do things consistently and it actually makes it a lot easier takes the guesswork out and
1: uh i'm probably not guessing but doing it wrong all the time
4: (laughs) well you might be guessing more than you think you are that's that's probably what it is. Um,
1: so, when did you, what was the thing that happened in your life to make you decide to become obsessive about coffee?
4: Um, well, she, Nancy's dying to chime in. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, no, no I'm not. You, I'm, not, I'm you know, not. but um, really, I always loved coffee and I, a native Portland guy. Um, and I moved to San Francisco, was there almost 10 years, and then moved to Los Angeles for my lovely net wife, <laughs> I was living there. And it was pretty much a coffee wasteland. Um, so and, and that
3: was
1: a
4: while ago. Though. It was, was in
3: 1998.
4: Right. And so being such a wasteland, you know, I just somehow figured I might as well just try to do this myself, you know, just for my own consumption and friends. And um, so I started roasting my own coffee and uh, just became like more and more interesting to me and, and kind of a way to unwind after coming home from work.
1: And where were you working what were you doing
4: i was a i had my own contracting business down there um so yeah i mean when i got home you know it it was like a once twice a week thing and then pretty soon it was like i was roasting four or five times a week and uh giving coffee to friends and uh, i just loved it it really was kind of a release and a way to relax so
1: did the coffee was the coffee the way
4: to your heart at all
3: no, I wasn't even really much of a coffee drinker because I sort of just wake up in the morning. Um, but it was something that people were loving, and the machines he was roasting on started getting bigger. First, it was something small on the kitchen counter, and then I came in one day, and my um, my uh, KitchenAid was gone, my mixer, because he'd had to move it because the next size roaster. So then he went down to the, the garage and started roasting. Um, but I did start drinking coffee because he started saying, taste this, babe, and it was... Great.
1: Do you think it's made you a better writer?
3: Uh, yes, definitely. You, <laughs> well, it's
1: it's interesting that, that question, because when you and I met a few years ago and we talked about writing, and I would come in to North Williams, to a up there, and start writing and have one cup of coffee, two cups, and then I was ready to actually create my own murder mystery, because I wanted to jump out of the... <laughs> it's so strong. And then I said, t- I think i got to start drinking tea. So... Um, but it does make you, like, it does make the fingers go faster and and the mind... Uh,
3: I guess it could. I think what it does is it sits you down. Like, you're having a cup of coffee, you're not also, like, running around your house or running around any place. You're sitting down. So it kind of gets you in the seat. And if you've got your coffee for company, then all the better.
1: If the the caffeine does does a job on me, I I have to limit it, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I find that with some of the... The better roasts, roasters in town. Yeah. Why is that that I'm just jacked up more than I normally do? It's because you, Chris.
4: And well, and you're probably <laughs> yeah. enjoying the coffee enough that you're drinking more than you might usually. Yeah, that <laughs> because, could be it. Because, you know, if you drink some of the, you know, kind of institutional coffees, they're actually using a blind of Robusta coffee a lot of times. And that actually has twice the caffeine as, you know, as a, especially coffee does. So. That's why, I like those little office packets, sometimes you drink those. I remember drinking those at work as a bartender, and man, my head would spin off. But, and that's the reason why, you know, they're using inexpensive but high caffeinated coffee. So
1: I've learned to regulate myself. And I put a little, sometimes I'll put a little decaf in it just so there I go. can enjoy it. <laughs> I, had, I had my best friend visit me from Fargo, North Dakota. And I took him out to a couple of coffee shops here and then served him what I made. He said, man, We cannot drink this coffee in North Dakota because we have to drink all day long. Oh, yeah. So we are, everything I drink, I'm so used to watered down shitty coffee. Right. And that's what they do there. They have to. Poor, poor people. Yeah,
4: it's like it is here today. (laughs) Most Um, of the time, you know, freezing. And, uh, you know, coffee is like a friend, like a companion and, and, uh, you know, I always like nursing coffee in the morning, you know, and then in the afternoon I'll shift over to espresso and, uh, but it is like having a warm friend with you. So.
1: Yeah, no, it's, and it's wonderful. I love it. So when you started in Portland, so now you have five cafes. We're going, up yeah. What do you call them? What do you refer to them as?
4: Shops? Uh, no, cafes, shops. shops. Yeah. So you, you have know.
1: five. So when you started, what was the coffee landscape like um, in Portland?
4: Well, we opened our doors and, 2005, and we ended up in a very small space. It was 600 square feet, including bathroom storage and roasting facility. And cafe. So, (laughs) um, you know, at that point, um, Stumptown was... And that was over in
1: Beaumont. On Mm -hmm.
4: Beaumont neighborhood, on 42nd, off of Fremont. um, And kind of off the beaten path, um, you know, and uh, the landscape then was um, the big... Love Affair with Stumptown was going on and uh rightfully so, you know, it's great coffee and um but the attitude was why do we need any other coffee?
3: I truly had people yeah, say that to me more than once like why why is didn't roasting coffee? We have Stumptown. I was like because he wants to. I <laughs> just it didn't really compute.
1: That's incredible. How m- so how many roasters are there now like <laughs> Do you have like an association at all or or like a group? Well, you you know,
4: I don't know. I hear all sorts of numbers thrown out all the time, you know, 75, 85. Um,
1: You know, from why do we need another one? Right. Right. And,
4: you know, I think a lot of that is that there's there's several spots in town that will rent out roast your time. And I think that's awesome. Um, I don't know that you're full-fledged roastery if you're just going there once a week and roasting for two or three hours. but So I don't know if people are rolling those into the numbers or not, but, you know, it's, it's like, you know, craft beer, you know, it's going to expand, and then it's going to contract to a manageable, sustainable level at some point.
1: So are you having a good week with this weather? I, I know that <laughs> I, I got a message from my son <laughs> yesterday who said, uh, our power's out, I'm going to a coffee shop. Yeah. And so that's not something he normally does. Yeah, but you got to
3: be able to get to the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, well, he uh, walks. Uh,
4: so Yeah, so, yeah, you get the walk-ins. It's, it's slow. It's slow. This yeah, isn't good for coffee. I mean, this is not good for any small business. No, every, I mean,
3: everybody's slow.
4: People are really hurting, and we're not used to a full week of shutdown. And, you know, uh, I don't think anybody is because they're more prepared in other cities to manage the streets. But all, small business is hurting right now. So yeah. I I would encourage people to go out and support them when the you know, roads clear and
1: we're we're doing know. what we can on this yeah. podcast to at least say now, at least say once a podcast get out there and support everybody. Just right. Spend a little more money than you normally would on food
4: and coffee and, and well, beverages. It, hopefully people are gonna be dying to get yeah, out, just, right? Just stir <laughs> crazy,
3: you know. You yeah. can only watch the kids sled for so long. You gotta you gotta get out. You gotta get back to business.
1: I would think so. So um What made you decide you became really good at coffee? Right. And what made you decide to come back to Portland and do it here?
4: (laughs) Well, for me personally, um, you know, the traffic in L.A., the smog... Pretty much everything about it was kind of driving me crazy, and, and what, so that was nineteen ninety eight.
3: No, no, no. That we we he lived with me and my daughter for six years in L.A. We came up here.
1: Oh, that was in yeah. two, early two thousand. We
3: bought a house in two thousand three and moved up in two thousand four.
1: Okay, that's right. about when I
4: came up. Yeah, Seriously. right. So we bought. You know, we actually kind of came up to look, and um, you know, at that point there was so many houses in the market to look at, and compared to California, it was like wow. You know, we can actually buy something that's livable, and um, so we looked at a bunch of houses, and we fell in love with one in the Williams neighborhood, um, and actually ended up putting a bid on it when we, you know.
3: We weren't even planning we to. We weren't prepared to we were actually just move. Looking.
4: And yeah. then, so this was uh, an Oath 4? Or an Offer O3. on it. O3. We bought
3: it. We got married and, and bought a house bought the it. same week. Oh, man. No. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you're still here.
3: Here we are. <laughs> well,
1: lots of, and, and you've both accomplished a lot in the meantime, right? So you're very, are you, you've been involved with Ristretto to a degree well, over the years? And are you involved more with than her she writing will
4: admit?
3: Well, what happened when he opened Ristretto in 2005? Uh, in I mean, he was doing everything from, you know, building out to buying the roaster to roasting the coffee to building the cafe and crawling in the ceiling and putting in the HVAC. And then all of a sudden we had this business that there was a back-end that needed to be run. And, like, who knew, right? He'd always been worked for himself. I'd worked for myself. And so I started helping him do that kind of stuff, you know, back-end stuff. And
1: how did you know? how, did, how I didn't. How
3: your, I learned so you, on the job you had to do it. And I also did the baking for a for about a year and a half. So it worked out. We worked pretty hard for a while. <laughs> um, but then as we've grown, you know, I have my own career, number one, but also, you know, we have people that really know what they're doing now, uh, doing the things that I used to do.
1: Well, it's interesting that you can you can grow it, uh, grow it, build a foundation with someone who doesn't really know what they're doing, well, and
3: then it wasn't
1: then, so hard. And then switch over to okay, now we're gonna now we're gonna go with the people who do.
4: Well, I mean, at a certain point, you have to realize you can't you know micromanage every point, and it's just you're not good at everything, no. and so you have to give up you know trust into other people and you know it takes a while to find the right people but uh if you can't do that
3: also you can't when, grow, when you so. have one 600 square foot cafe and two employees you know you guys you it's two football. people can run a business yeah so i was fancy
4: myself and two other employees and that's and that it, it. <laughs> um
3: um but now there are going to be five cafes starting next month and you know 45 employees so you, you you have you need to have people that really know how to how to drive different buses so
1: yeah how many 45 so actually many, it's over and okay. so what's your uh, and if you don't want to divulge this, I understand, but what criteria do you use to decide whether your next location is going to be a great one
4: well I, t- to me it's is is it an interesting area is it a area that doesn't have services um, you know um, is it interesting people that are either approaching us and what are their ideas like and and you know how can we make it aesthetically pleasing and interesting and welcoming all at the same time? So it's a challenge and a project I really like, um, if it's the right one. Um, we also picked some sort of challenging locations in the past. Um, undeveloped Williams, there was really nothing on Williams when we opened um, also, it was the crash of the economy and the other snowpocalypse then? Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, I know. put out
1: on Facebook the other day. It's time to stop calling it snow snowpocalypse and snowmageddon. It's time to just say it snowed again. <laughs> and it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but e- each one now is not enough. You can't have a lot of snowmageddon. Well, now True. that we have
4: this apparently new climate, right? Right. So,
1: so, um, so, did you have to? Was North Williams? Immediately successful because every time I've been there, it's crowded. No, it was actually. Oh, well, I shouldn't say it that. I, I just yeah. mean there. It's it's energetic.
3: It's jumping.
4: Yeah, <laughs> that was a tough one because that was our second cafe. Um, you know, it was a build out much bigger than our first one, which I basically did myself. Um, you know, and uh, you know, loans and everything went away in the middle of this. Uh, build out because of the economy crash and so it, it was challenging and then it was also a neighborhood that was not geared towards you know retail or restaurants um, you know we were one of the first ones there so it was a slow climb out um, and a big risk but you know eventually it paid off and it became you know a really good spot.
1: Yeah we just had Kurt here, Kurt Huffman mm-hmm. and discussing that Lardo couldn't make it on that, that location. Right. It didn't make it. It had its, uh, some factors going on as yeah. well. But, um, but in a year or two, it's going to be pretty crazy. Whenever we moves in there, you're probably going to have to go with the, the Starbucks MO and put one on the other side of the street.
4: <laughs> right. Well, I think you have to, you know, you have to feel it in your guts and you have to be able to, you know, can we tough it out? Um, uh, can we streamline enough to make it through the tough part till We get some traction and people start coming into the neighborhood. You know, um, right now I can understand it's in a weird spot, the Williams neighborhood, because there's all of this construction, but most of it's empty for the most part right right now. And And that was, that was their problem. And there's so much retail being built into these buildings that it's, it's a tough one. It's hard to see what's going to happen.
1: So, Um, Let's go back to Los Angeles. I love your Los Angeles stories, by the way. Oh, thank you. The the writing that you've done that I've read about is really interesting. Can you, from your perspective, talk about the love affair that built, how you met, and what happened?
3: Uh, Well, I actually was on a story up in San Francisco, uh, and his sister at the time was my best friend, and we were both up there, and we met at a bar where he was bartending, and he was just so smitten right? With, is that how that went? And, uh, and you know, we, and then we were together, we did a year back and forth. And the fact was I had a career in LA as a journalist. My daughter was in school there and it was easier for him to leave San Francisco and come and live in LA. And we got a great house that we rented. Um, so that was that. That was that.
1: <laughs> so when you started roasting and did you envision where you'd be today? Or was that, was that, not In really. I, I what mean, did you not, want to do with it then? Not
4: really. I mean, I knew at a certain point that I needed to get out of L.A. and I, I told Nancy that I said, you know, I have to be out of here within a year because I just I can't. Was that stand a threat it.
1: or was that just? A- um,
3: no. Uh, I had actually been gone on a really, really difficult story for about two weeks. I was back east, and when I came home, after he saw what I went through to get this story written and just the sort of how L.A. was driving him insane. I think he just felt like we needed a big, a big uprooting and he really wanted to get out of there. So it worked out. Did you? Uh, yeah, I was actually happy to leave L.A. And what um, did you know
1: about Portland?
3: Nothing. <laughs> but he, he brought me here in May. And if you ever want to persuade someone to move to Portland, br- no, bring them in May. L- please. It was Planet of the Plants. And it was just, there was fruit everywhere growing. It was gorgeous. We went on a garden tour. And um, I, I liked it. And my daughter was going to be starting high school the following year. And I thought, well, if we're going to do it, then we'll. We'll do it now.
1: I came in July twice, two Julys in a <laughs> row, and there, you, there was no going back. Yeah. I loved it. I don't yeah. even care. These winters to me, I hate this, and now I'm in Manzanita so I can escape it a little bit. But um, there's you still, you we could have four more of these right. this season, and it still doesn't compare to Connecticut now they're better, they're more well-equipped to handle it there. So businesses don't have the problems they have here. And I can't believe that we're still driving around in ice. Uh, And this is recorded a little while before this is going to stream. But five days later, they're still on the highway. Is ice. It's unbelievable. it's it's
4: crazy. And I grew up in Portland, and I I can't remember for the life of me having ice that stayed like that. I mean, the first time I saw ice that thick on the road, that was like, I was visiting Denver as a kid. I was like, wow, how do you guys survive this? (laughs) And here we have it. it.
1: Is it very different, the larger perspective, because you're at least 25 years old. Um, Is it very (laughs) different now? Because I've been here for 11 years now, and I've seen a few snows. So I'm not shocked by it any longer. But I, I prefer that I've always said, well, when it does snow, it's like an April snow in New York. It goes away the next day. That's, right, that's right. great. But,
3: I remember New York shutting down exactly once for snow. It yeah. was in 78.
1: Oh, and you go back to schools before lawsuits. They well, were I, I open. I
3: don't think we ever had a snow day in New York.
1: Well, we had a few, but not, <laughs> not like this. I, today, they're off again.
4: Yeah. And so well, the it's poor a week kids, later. Poor kids are going to miss a little bit of summer probably. But <laughs> I, I, I guess so. Have to make it up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I only remember really like a huge major ice storm um when i was probably in sixth or fifth grade or something that was incredibly gorgeous but i you know it melted off in a few days i've never seen this I don't
1: know. So, so there's weather change and now there's the stuff that you hated in la that's now coming to portland like the traffic, <laughs> the, traffic. <laughs> the traffic it's still <laughs> not to la it's oh, still not no. to la hell hell but it is. it's not. it's noticeable do you how do you feel about this Portland and the one that we're going to be looking at in 2025 from the perspective of someone who's been here for
4: Well, I, I see, you know, I've seen a lot of positive changes. You know, there's a bigger mix of, of people in general, you know, ethnicities and uh, cultures. And, uh, you know, it used to be a pretty, you know, just blue-collar town and kind of depressed in the you know, what did, 80s. What did, um,
1: your, what did your parents do?
4: Um Well, my mom, I grew up with for the most part of my life um was a graphic artist and worked for herself, so um you know, she would just have to hustle and and find work on her own um, sounds like Portland hasn't changed much yeah, in that <laughs> aspect you know? except
3: the house she lived in in Selwood back then rented for a hundred dollars a month yeah so.
4: well, that was the most we paid we moved, <laughs> but, yeah you know, um so. You know, there's a lot of positive things. I think, um, also some negatives. Um, I, I don't feel like the city is tackling uh, the amount of people that are arriving and how to manage traffic. And um, in fact, going to some meetings, they were saying, admitting how they're deliberately trying to make the traffic so bad that people will only ride bicycles, it's which is very realistic. So,
1: especially most of the people coming in, I, I'm probably wrong on this. And I, and I welcome criticism, but uh, most of the people coming in on bike-oriented, they're coming from L.A. and San Francisco
4: and right. other markets where right. they weren't riding bikes. And then also you have to think that, you know— Oh, God, we, am I going to take hell for that? <laughs> yeah, really you will that. probably. <laughs> uh, me no, too. but I'm
1: just saying that <laughs> but, uh, they're, they're not planning properly if they're going to— Well, and do also, something.
4: I mean, if it—well, you have families, too. With, say that you have young children, I mean— You
1: can't be riding them. Right, I place.
4: mean, um, but— You know, on the other hand, is why aren't they investing more in like public transit infrastructures like this more light rail something, you know, to say that people are just going to ride bikes isn't really solving the problem of hundreds of cars coming here a month. 500
3: a day. That's what I heard. 500 500 cars a day.
1: Coming into town. That's what I heard. And by the way, I don't see many bikes out today. So
4: when this stuff happens, <laughs> you can't... We you barely can't made make, it here today made, in a right, car. So.
3: I was
1: thinking about that this morning. I was thinking, you can't have that be your only plan. No. Because you've got to have other alternate uh, alternate plans to get around. Yeah, yourself.
4: and unfortunately, we're, we don't have, you know, things like subways underground like New York, which is fantastic. If it's That's why it doesn't shut down, because you can still operate. You know, we do have light rail, but the tracks freeze over and, you know.
3: And how do you get to it if it's 40 blocks from your house? Yeah, I know.
1: But the important thing is that that there's
0: coffee on the line somewhere. That's right. (laughs) We just got out of the holidays, Chris, and for many people, that's the most wonderful time of the year. But for me, the most wonderful time of the year also includes the time where the Portland Auto Show happens. Sure, you could take your family to all sorts of different lots around town to look at vehicles, but... You could go to one place and see them all, and it's the Portland Auto Show.
1: There's a lot going on, and in the middle of winter, what better than to get out with your family or your significant other or yourself? Just get out of the house and go enjoy some uh, go enjoy a day at the auto show. You can also test drive the cars. They have 11 different manufacturers outside where you can test drive cars as well as just seeing them, over 600 models at the auto show.
0: Very nice. Uh, so you can ride and take drives. You can test drive. And uh, you were telling me a little bit about this charity party. Which is a sneak peek, is that right? It's pretty cool. The Wednesday before the show. Oh yeah, what is that? Uh, January 25th.
1: You can see the show before all the the masses arrive and see it on a night where you can get dressed up a little bit. Great food, open bars throughout the whole show, and uh, it's a two-and-a-half-hour charity event. Uh, proceeds go to seven great charities in the Portland metro area. It's really a cool night, and, uh, and it's tax-deductible, too. And then the, the
0: show itself happens January 26th through the 29th at the Oregon Convention Center, and it's pretty pretty sure that you're going to be wandering around there, right, Chris?
1: Yeah, you might just catch me, but the other place which would be great to catch me is Portland Auto Show's Instagram because I'll be posting some photos there.
0: And that would be at Portland Auto Show on Instagram. And of course, don't forget to mark your calendars and visit PortlandAutoShow.com today. I'm not really a, a an envious man, Chris, but I got to tell you that uh, what you got going on at the end of 2017 really makes me wish I, I had more time or that I could squeeze into your luggage and go with you to Europe.
1: We're going to Italy with Rick Giancarelli, uh Tuscany region, October 1st. And uh, we already have seven people signed up for that. Um, as a matter of fact, we've got six lovely ladies uh, going as well. And we have uh, we have couples on the way. So uh, that's going to be a really fun trip, eating with Rick Giancarelli throughout the Tuscany region. We also have one before that, uh, which is September 20th, uh, our third trip with Jose Chesa of Atala and Chesa and 180 uh, to Barcelona, uh, September 20th. And uh, that is an incredible journey to experience Barcelona through the eyes and palate of Chef Jose, Um, he went to culinary school there at 15 and he knows his way about Barcelona so a lot of folks are going to Barcelona but you'll never see and eat Barcelona the way we do
0: it's just great experiences Chris so here's what you do, check out the trips online portlandfoodadventures.com under the blog tab where you can also get seats to upcoming PFAs, Uh, local events those uh, include Dame and Quantrell, those are on the website as well trips, the best local food events it's what Chris loves doing and many of you do too
1: so um, what makes, what makes Restretto different than all the other roasters in town? Well, you, what, What's your
4: answer? You know, I mean, from the outset, you know, I really wanted to take the approach of I wanted it to be warm and welcoming for all walks of life. I wanted to make it really accessible, friendly. And, um, you know, at this point, there's tons of great coffee everywhere. Um, maybe not once you get out of Portland, you know. But we do live in a bit of a bubble um so you know it's creating the atmosphere someplace where you feel comfortable and you want to go you want to either go hang out or just have a quick chit-chat with your breast in the morning then go to work um but you know i think that's the main drive is is
1: do you have problems with people camping out All these freelance people that are just going to sit there all day? Well, we
4: do. You know, I'm honestly. (laughs) Tower. You know, I've (laughs) I've started my day dropping by, say, the Williams shop at, say, 738 in the morning and then put in a full day. And I've gone back after putting in a full day and seeing the same person there taking up a table with their laptop. You know, it's. It's hard to it's get part, around it's it. It's you know? part of the
1: cost of doing business. But
3: it's fine. It's yeah. a, except when we first opened Williams, he walked in one morning and there was a guy at the back table, which is sort of a communal table, and he had brought in his tower and his monitor. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And he lived
4: across the street. This is not <laughs> what like, you're
3: going to be I'm like, doing here. You no. Know.
4: Did he ask you for A, a power strip. Oh, he
3: had cords
4: hanging all <laughs> over the place, <laughs> and I was just—I couldn't believe—I was in shock. You know, and the baristas were just stunned; Did, they didn't know what to do. And I was just like, wow. "Is this
1: before it could have been an Instagram moment?" Oh, oh yes. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like 2009. Yeah. <laughs> now you can Instagram shame. Yeah, I suppose. yeah. So. So, what are the biggest challenges you're facing now? What, uh, what, well, because I think it's a good time for coffee because everybody's celebrating it. Now you're hearing Portland in the conversation and, you know, I guess, and I don't know, but used to, it used to be Seattle, obviously. Right. And now it's, everybody's looking to Portland for it. Yeah, so. I mean,
4: I think Portland is, you know, at least equal on par with Seattle. Um, you know, it's a, a little different. Scene I wanted here.
1: you to hear better. I wanted to hear you say better. So well, we I have an argument, you know,
4: we'll always say it's better. And Seattle, will always say it's better <laughs> than Portland, but you know, um, it definitely, um, I think per capita, I think we've got more
1: coffee. We're right more now. caffeinated?
4: Yeah. And that's pretty big. I mean, Seattle's got a lot of coffee. so.
3: I th- not to sound like a booster here, but there's also, I mean, Portland is really growing. And it's growing in ways that we don't even know. Like, who's going to come? What are they going to do? This is really cool opportunity. And I think a lot of it is happening right in this area where now we've put You know, two cafes. So, who are we going to be meeting? Who are we going to be serving? Who's coming to these new hotels? You know, what kind of artistic groups and tech groups? It's. I think it's fascinating. I think it's really exciting to be in this part of town right now, um, at least for the next little while.
1: I also think we're in a city where, as I, I alluded to before, and I'm one. I don't have an office. I mean, I have an office in my home. Yeah. But if I'm meeting with people, I need to find a place to meet. And if I really want to get out and not be, you know, when I'm writing, not be at my desk, I like to find a good coffee shop. Yeah. And
4: and these days, a lot of people really don't have offices or they, you know, they'll sit at home, make themselves a little makeshift office. Yeah, that's what I have. You know, I find that even, you know, if people need to get out and be with people, even if they're not really interacting with them, just having them around, you know, that's what a cafe
3: provides. You the know? third place, right? Yeah. It's the bar or the coffee shop. Right. You go to sort of, you know, just sit. You don't have to talk to anybody if you don't want to, but you can. You just can kind of be there.
4: I kind of like say that we're the cheers bar for the morning, you know. <laughs>
1: I think, well, it's not only the morning. Do you, have, uh, do you have rules on cell phone use in the coffee shops? Because um, I've had problems with that before.
4: It's gotten better. Was... You know, there was a period of time where people, you know, it kind of, felt like la was moving into portland as far as how people use their cell phones and how obnoxious they were and being rude in line and ordering and blabbing and getting mad at the barista for interrupting them when they're standing in line (laughs) i i think that's kind of subsided so thankfully um i think people are just getting a little more mannered
1: so speaking of baristas what's the what are the qualities that you find make the best baristas if they're starting from scratch if you if you have to train mold someone we don't do that you don't do that well, yeah we do
3: I mean you train them but they don't come in not knowing how to do anything I mean well
4: they, they we have of- before I mean it, it depends there's a level of where you don't want bad habits that are hard to get rid of right you know um, but we're looking more at just general character of the person you know like what's really impressed me with you know, all the work we've been putting into opening these two new cafes is the enthusiasm of our current employees and wanting to get in there and help and and uh it's just been really impressive to me you know so i think you're hiring by a character and the rest comes um usually we're you know we've got a lot of artistic people really great artists musicians um you know and some people move on they have people become nurses programmers um but we're not hiring short term you know
1: and can you make a good living? Are you having some of the same issues that restaurants are having in the
4: back um, of the house? No, because I think these it's people are front and back. It's at the better. Same time, right? It's better for like back of the house. I mean, I've been a line cook. Um, I never got tipped out. You know, we were the lowest person on the totem pole basically. Um, while the waiters and waitresses were making, you know, quite good money. So, You know, they're not back of the house. They're getting tips, you know, and tips are really their livelihood. We pay them well, and we give them great medical and dental dental and everything we can. But Really? dental? Yeah. Can I? You can a (laughs) (laughs) part-time.
1: Can I get a part-time little gig over there? for?
4: You know, and it's funny because, you know, for the most part, our breezes are pretty young, 20s. And, uh, you know, they don't really care about medical because they're invincible, they think. But, man, that dental.
3: Everybody <laughs> wants the dental. Like, wow. Yeah, And we had that, you know, Din has always worked for himself. I've always worked for myself. And we never had anybody get us any insurance. So when we opened the business, we're like, this will be a good thing.
4: Yeah, I mean, that was the first time I had insurance on my own was when we started Ristretta. So, you know, it's pretty important that everybody gets it.
1: And how is... Uh, I've noticed a little creep up in prices over the years. Is that due to... Sourcing is that due towards these sorts of things? That yeah, I mean administration.
4: Well, sourcing like you know, probably four years ago or so, coffee spiked out of control uh, for our costs, and you know, with coffee, you know, people freak out when you raise it a quarter. Um, Our prices doubled, if not more, for the cost of our you know product and. You can't really pass You have to just try to tough it out. You can raise just a little bit, but then people go to buy whatever, you know, cheapest coffee.
1: Well, no, buying. I've noticed it on buying bags of coffee versus well, a cup. Mm-hmm. A cup, I don't... I, but,
4: but the thing is, is with that, is that the prices never go back down. Right. Because you have to slowly try to recover all the losses that you had. So... You know, we could raise our drink prices a quarter. Well, it doesn't really do much for us, you know, in that time span when we're fighting those high prices. So, you know,
3: coffee's a commodity, right? It's mm-hmm. traded on the sea market. So, All if right. you're paying, you know, if, if, if it's trading at a $1.50 a pound for green, which is not what you're paying, of course, but that's sort of like the base, what if that goes up to $3? What happens to our cost? Three fifty. It's in. It's insane, and you can't pass that along to the consumer. You can't say, "Oh, hey, check it out, that coffee is going to be seven dollars today."
4: But
1: it'll go back down to a dollar seventy-five someday. So you're you're saying you just need to tough out that yep. that period. You do. Period. I, and I, by I, the way, someday it may just go up and stay there, right? Yeah. You could
4: well. Yeah. I mean, it's a volatile thing, and you know, you're dealing with a lot of countries with um, you know political. You know, ups and downs, and you know, it's tricky. So, and also, people are going to hear me talking about, oh, you know, one75 seventy-five two eighty five, 85 uh, C market pricing. But, and they go, wow, it's so cheap. I pay $15 for yeah. it. <laughs> but you don't understand that that's just the, where they base the market from. Right. You know? And and you're constantly. You, so,
1: you got a lot to go through to you get that. You got a lot to go bag. through.
4: And then also, when you roast the coffee, you're losing, you know, depending on how you're roasting it, you know, between. 17 and 20% of the weight goes bye-bye. So that's a lot that goes
1: into it. Walk us through the the process you go through to source your beans and what you're doing to do the best, to produce the best possible coffee you can.
4: Well, I mean, sourcing, you know, the thing we've been trying to do is is develop relationships that are long-term. And not so much so we can have a sticker on a bag or, you know, organic certified or fair trade or this or that it's it's more of a direct relationship with the farmers um so we know exactly what they're getting we're paying them directly and i mean we can see how they're treating workers a lot of them are very small farms
1: how much time do you spend traveling to um, farms? a
4: fair amount but um recently with all the cafe stuff i've been kind of locked here um but probably my next trip could possibly be Cuba, actually. Um, so it could be an interesting trip. So they've had a shrinking uh, coffee production there, but it used to be pretty substantial. So um, I'm looking forward to going down, seeing how they're preparing the coffee, and maybe see if we can have a little influence, get the coffee up a little bit, and it's uh, a possibility. And what does, that, what
1: does that take to get it? To get it up to your standards?
4: Well, you know, they have to know what we're looking for. And, um, you know, maybe on some newer processes, they're not using to, um, you know, dry the coffee and process the coffee. And and basically just what we want, you know, is specialty coffee. They can make more money for the specialty coffee. You know, it's not going into something that's going into a can. And, uh, you know, I think that the individual farmers, it, it's looking like a strong possibility that you know they'll be making the money. The government won't be, you know, in charge of the export. There's certain strange loopholes that could be beneficial for the farmer.
1: Do you have any? Uh, do you have any concerns uh, with this new administration <laughs> and and, oh, and trade? I mean, not as- just about aside- this. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with regard to coffee and, and your business and that, on that side of it, not necessarily on the economy and what's going to happen, but uh, just on the trade side.
4: Well, I mean, an example is we had a, a friend of mine and uh, a guy that we, he farms our, a lot of our Nicaraguan coffee visit, I don't know, probably about five months ago, you know, and we thought there was no way that um, Trump was going to win the election. And... He was kind of petrified you know on what that would have effect on his business and you know getting the coffee into the states you know what the aid would be to right because we're really not
1: exporting a lot of coffee that's not what? the that's not the option here you can't grow right. it
4: here <laughs> right. yeah i mean you can do it in hawaii and that's that's about it in puerto rico but um so he was very concerned and you know, I was trying to reassure him that, oh, that's not going to happen. Yeah, isn't it amazing how many times, we,
1: interesting how many times we said that? Yeah. And you look so, back now, I was like, I, it's, you know,
4: I don't know, you know.
1: Do you have any forewarning for this is going to happen and therefore I need to take these precautions or. Oh, I wish geez, I could tell if future. Maybe like you that. ought to get in. <laughs> maybe you ought to get into the ice cream business. Who knows? Well,
4: and, yeah. I mean, look, at salt and straws. Looks like a pretty good business model. Um, You know, the desire for coffee is always going to be there. And, um, you know, if something happened politically like that, I think the American public would freak out. They want their coffee in the morning, right?
1: I I don't give, I'm going to take the Bill Maher. Uh, side of this and say, I don't give the American public much credit. (laughs) I I can't predict what they're going to do any longer. I mean, if they did what they did, then anything's possible, right? I
4: guess. And, you know, they'll just drink monster drinks or whatever they're called, you know, which is... Yeah.
1: Well, as long as you put an American flag on it, <laughs> I think it'll be.
4: It'll be good. <laughs> oh, oh rock star! Can't leave them
1: out. <laughs> you got to get you got to get cord onto something you're producing instead yeah.
0: of that.
4: Well, you know, coffee is the natural rock star.
0: No, it, it's true, and I enjoy coffee, but my problem is, is I love coffee too much, so I drink it way too fast, right. and then and then I'm buzzing. But I can nurse a rock star. I mean, that's five hours old right there. So I'm. That's no, easy. I, I know it's, I I know it's never, not good for me. Have you tried I you iced coffee? But same thing. I You're still like, just... chug so, it. So good. I've, I've never had a rock star. Me
3: neither. I
0: don't no, even don't know... Just don't. Do, it, I'm it, not going to start. You will not enjoy it. I guarantee it. Is there a lot of sugar in that? This one's actually sugar-free. Oh. Okay. And and calorie-free. But, and, you know, and it's deceiving me to think that it's got B vitamins and something something else. Right. It's other stuff. But <laughs> but deep down inside, it's eating away at my stomach lining. <laughs> And uh,
1: you just need to find something like a carrier that will <laughs> limit you. That will limit how that much might, you're taking. That, that might time. be
0: that might be it. Because I I do morning radio, and so I, I have to do something. That I actually have found that if I have an apple in the morning, it is way more effective than even a cup of coffee. If yeah. I just eat an apple it gets I'm sugar in me going. I'm going to say this right now. Yeah.
1: I think these folks should be delivering you a cup of coffee every morning. Well, the, the, <laughs> you're, you're in the
0: you're in the coin tower now, right? Yeah, it's not that far close. away. Yeah, we, we, what we got to do is figure out how to get the Starbucks out of here. Yeah, right. uh, mm-hmm. No comment on yeah. that one. But.
3: We're, uh, we're going to be in the Oregonian building starting next month.
4: Just over. Yeah. Right. Oh, Not far. So that, the
3: old Oregonian, old Oregonian, building. Oregonian. So that's 13, even closer.
4: 1320. Yes, Got to make Broadway. that
1: happen. But who's who better? To sponsor a morning show or just be a part of a morning show? I would love it. Then uh, I'm all for it. Then the best coffee in town. I think that's a a natural. Is the marketing side of my life. (laughs)
4: Gotta do (laughs) it.
1: Also, the podcast, too. We need to be alert on this, too. Uh, Um, So, what do you have? So, you have the new one coming up. How do you make those arrangements? Are you out there scouting for Uh, space? Or do you have a a relationship with a realtor who's bringing these things to Well, a
4: little bit of that. um, But also, there's a changing landscape i mean we've talked about this neighborhood but people listening don't know what this neighborhood is but it's it's more the financial area of, of portland um you know a We're lot in the of pack, office buildings Pack
1: west building where the skype studio is
4: right and so a lot of people working in office buildings but in, you know typically not a lot of local goods you know mostly uh chains and the landscape is changing, you know. I think you know Google and Amazon. All these companies have created these environments where you're getting fresh stuff. It's local stuff, and you know now office buildings to to get tenants, they need to think differently. You know, just putting a chain. You know, I mean, well,
1: especially in Portland. Yeah. 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 You know, and, I see a friend of mine on on Facebook who lives in North Carolina. And she cannot stop touting the wonders of Starbucks. And I want to just say, Jesus, you know, do you have a... You know, and that, by the way, if there was all, a time where that's what I was drinking. It's yeah, all right. relative. All you know,
4: right. You know, it's all, and, you know... I
1: and think, I still will have a cup if I have to, just right. as you said, if you have, you know... In if,
3: the airport.
4: Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's like most of the chains, you know, it's like McDonald's is incredibly consistent. You know, to me, it's not really what I think of as a hamburger, but it's always the same.
1: What do you think of the McDonald's coffee? Because I have become a little enamored driving around with the dollar cup of McDonald's coffee. I personally
4: haven't had it in several years, but I would go there first, probably. That's interesting. The green one.
1: That's our pull quote right there. (laughs) No. Um, But yeah, for a buck. You can't have, you know, and 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 it does the job. Um, So do you go to a lot of the other uh, cafes, roasters, and are you, do you, two things. Right. Do you do that as a matter of course to see what's going on out there, and are you friendly with some of the other, or you guys all have like a a club of...
4: (laughs) There's no club. (laughs) I mean, no, I think it's like anything else. You know, there's camaraderie, there's some... jealousy between different companies you know it's the whole gamut um you know i i don't go out to other coffee probably as much as i should you know um because i'm so immersed in what we're doing (laughs) Um,
1: are you guys covering each other's asses i see a lot of times like i'll see a chef something broke and they'll put something out there and oh. all of a sudden they've got it covered. Because yeah, I mean, social de- media, they can do that.
4: That now. definitely happens. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely loaned people green coffee um, and vice versa. And, you know, or a
3: piece of equipment. Somebody yeah, needed a grinder or something once. and We had a cafe had that
4: didn't use our coffee and through a friend, their espresso machine went down. I brought him one just to use. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea. Not everybody's doing that some people are
1: i mean it also depends on your relationships too yeah is there anybody that you've mentored that's now doing their own thing and doing it
4: well well, i mean there's employees that have you know gone different directions and
1: i meant as far as roasting oh yeah uh, i mean
4: you know a great friend and and partner in the business now and uh josh gibby and he's doing he's the lead roaster um he's put a ton of sweat equity and uh, you know, he came in for, Oh man. I don't know, I think eight months. Every morning before he went to his construction job and just roasted with me. You know, didn't want any money or anything. Wow. And, you know, just an awesome guy and a great friend. And
3: that was back in Beaumont. So he's been really, uh, been with Ristretto really almost since the very beginning. And now he's part of it with wow. Din. So it's great. He's the greatest.
1: Nice. So uh, does Din read your stuff do you do you run things by him?
3: Every once in a while, I will read. Um, like I had a book review in the Wall Street Journal a couple weeks ago, and I was I was pretty happy with how it came out. So I he was sitting down, I was like, "Can I read this to you?" And he's like, "Sure, sure, sure." So I'll I'll read him that. I'll occasionally read him a chapter from the book, but not a lot. No. But if you're doing he's, a book review,
4: then he has
1: to read the book.
3: To no, no, no. How no. that
1: review is?
3: He nah.
4: <laughs> no, I, I mean the Uh-oh. writing uh, is either makes me want to read that book. You know, that's how I judge it. I'm like, wow, I really want to read that book now. You know, like the last one you did. I was like, holy smokes, I want to read that book, you know. Um, so I don't, you know, it's not really, well, did you get every note of the book? No, I you can't know? imagine but, that
1: you're doing that. But I, just as a matter, You have to be proud enough of your writing to want to show it to Din to say, because I know I like to do that when I do something I think is really good. I want to run it by other people or at least... See reactions after it's been published. I, I suppose that's
3: yeah, that's a tricky one. But I'm, not, I'm,
1: not, <laughs> I'm, I'm nowhere in your in your um, league. But I, I don't know what your process. Well,
3: is. The, the the project I'm on right now is so long that there'd be no way to read him the you know 330 pages and the 75 drafts. So, but I will read him in a chapter every once in a while.
4: And we're so. also talking about it constantly. I do. So, I mean, I'm practically living. He lives it. Story. <laughs> oh, okay. So,
1: you're that's what I was really wanted <laughs> yeah. to get at are, is, are you really involved or is, is the, so when by the time it's published, you know everything about it?
4: I know a lot about it usually. I mean, because we talk and you know, she'll she sometimes just needs to. Get it out there, you know, not on the page and just talk about it. So, you know, I'm always there for that, for sure.
1: And you have readings at the
4: coffee shops, too, right? Sometimes. No,
3: only once. I had when a book came out. We had, we threw a book launch party there. Yeah, but I think I was there. Yeah. For that. We
4: did have a reading series there.
3: We did. I ran a reading series for a while, um, but I haven't done that in a couple of years. And a But we do have a lot of people that read, especially at the Cooch Cafe. They run different poetry series. I don't run them, though. So
4: Yeah, you
1: you got a lot to do, to do that. Yeah. So uh-huh. I'm not, I remember when I first met you and I don't remember what it was. It was, a, it was a story of LA and the immigrants and the, I, I think the, the gardeners. What oh we, yeah, yeah. The gardeners. So you sent me that. And I remember it was one of the first times that I was able to read something on my phone. And I, and I, it was like in bed for hours, just scrolling. <laughs> it was the first time I ever, I've ever done anything like that with a book. Um, or no, it was a long article it was a long in article. the LA Times, No, right?
3: I wrote for the LA Weekly for 15 Weekly. years. And Sorry. I I was at the time when you know they would let you run 9,000-word stories about hanging out with a gardening crew for a week. Right. And I was very, very fortunate to be able to write for them for so long and just loved it and did hopefully some great work for them.
1: And so the project you're working na- on now? Is that? a book
3: uh, called To the Bridge. It will be out next um, February, and it is the story. It's kind of a look into... Maternal filicide and uh, the story of Amanda stott Smith, who dropped her two children from the Selwood Bridge uh, in May of 2009.
1: And when's that going to be, published?
3: Uh February of 2018.
1: February of 2018. And I asked you if it's going to be an audible book because I hope so. That's a, I'm not a voracious reader because I fall asleep so easily when I'm reading. And you're the same <laughs> way. Oh, good. I'm glad. Oh, yeah. I'm glad. It's the coffee, man.
4: And we drink too much. You're just by that polite. Yeah. So
1: I have been. I. I just found out recently that I'd had an Audible subscription for two years that I, I, I signed up for it, and I didn't know, and I didn't pay attention. And then I was going to cancel it, and then I said, oh, I got six credits. I started downloading books, and I thought, I love this. I don't want to read The New York Times anymore because of the shit that's going on in the world. And so I've taken to – this is kind of a cool –
3: I love books on tape and my publishing company is an imprint of Amazon, which owns audible and yes, it will be an yep. audible book. <laughs>
1: That'd be great. Yeah. One last question. Cause we're running out of time. Why do I like Ethiopian coffee so much?
4: Mm, Cause it's the birthplace of coffee. Probably.
1: Is it? Yeah. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I've noticed when I've been buying different.
4: Yeah. Bags,
1: well, those I. T- I like this one. That's I'm a re-
4: common thing. You know, um, you know, it's, got a lot of character it's got a lot of fruit notes to it it's got a lot of complexity and it's just delicious and superb coffee i mean um i guess a reason why that's where it originally came. and
1: from. what's your coffee what's the name of your coffee book
4: um well your book it's a out of print for a moment we're gonna do a little update on it but, okay um
1: so i need so tuned. i was gonna ask you so reading that obviously would make me a better co- coffee maker at home
4: right Uh, are there other ways
1: do you do do you give classes
4: do you well we do cuppings and um, we occasionally do classes we're working on a new website where we're going to have a lot of content and some video content and real and a lot of instructional like just trying to simplify um, the process of making coffee you know basically my book was based on that you know how to make coffee before you've had coffee you know you're groggy Let's simplify things, make you comfortable with it. You don't have to think about it, but it'll be consistent. And so we're going to work on video content and web content, and then we'll revise the book and bring that back out again.
1: Fantastic. So, and the website is?
4: Uh, RRPDX.com.
1: Oh, that's an easy one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that had to be early on. So now you'd
4: probably uh, have to buy that. Actually, we you know, <laughs> that was just... <laughs> Not that long ago, you know. I was thinking because Ristretto Roasters, you know, It's so long. It's really hard to get people to like what and How spell do you, two spell, T's
1: and then this? spell it right. And I'm talking about roasters. He thought right. of it.
3: But we were sitting at the bank, and he's like, "We should get that." And I just bought it while we we're on my phone while we were sitting at the bank. <laughs> nice, <laughs> <You> got
1: lucky. <laughs> and then Instagram. Do you have that sort of thing? Anything you want to? RRPDX dot com
3: at RRPDX.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, so we've been. This is the fourth year of the podcast. It's so strange to say that. Court, Congratulations. And it but it's our first time that we've had any we've discussed coffee. Oh, wow. Which I Uh-oh. think is which kind of pisses me off. But on the other
4: hand, <laughs> we well, I'm, yeah, I'm glad
1: we finally did it. And I and I'd like to do more. And I'd love to go out and you know, the last time I saw you, I was just walking by and we had a nice conversation at Ox. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Go out and actually sit sure. down sure. with good. you guys and have a chat. Great. Definitely. Thank you very much. Thank you, And thanks for listening now. You've become a listener since I turned you on to this. Yes,
2: thank you, Court. Right at the Fork is supported by PortlandFoodAndDrink.com. The legendary Food Dude dishes up Portland food news and comprehensive guides to just about everything that has to do with food in Portland. From coffee and wine shops to bakeries and more. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angelis and Court Johnson. Intro music by Arielle Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com.